bit of history between you and I. Okay. Right. So we do we really want to go there? Well, our wives are probably watching. <laughs> they probably are. Yeah. Wife, uh, if you're watching this, none of this ever happened. <laughs> one, uh, we met each other in 2004. Okay, if you say so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, think we'll I was very, very drunk. <laughs> Whether you were, if you were drunk beforehand, I would. I'm very impressed. Absolutely. <laughs> this is going to be a good show. <laughs> Dean. Peter. Isn't this exciting? Look at, what, look at what we've done to your studio. Hey, have a look, have a look, have a look. Can I have a look? Can I have a look? look oh, my that. God, you've destroyed it. <laughs> absolutely, we've destroyed it. This wasn't part of the contract. <laughs> no, absolutely not. And uh, you'll probably find that I pro- probably use the word absolutely a fair bit. That's good. Tony Blair used to do that in order to obtain trust among voters. This is actually a fact. People analyse his speech patterns and yeah. they say that absolutely is one of the words that he absolutely used the most. <laughs> and people voted for him. He was there for ages. Now, he resigned on his own accord, right? Absolutely. <laughs> oh, okay. So uh, we're calling our show, the very first show on My Greek TV, Romaic Ruminations. Absolutely. Right? We're chewing the fat off the Greek community. We are chewing the fat off the Greek community. So why Romaic Ruminations? This is something that you came up with, right? Did I? Don't point the finger at me, Pete. You did. You did. I'm getting the finger pointed at. (laughs) You came up with it. So, well, okay. Ruminations, Mm -hmm. um, chewing, digesting, Mm -hmm. regurgitating, because that's what cows do. Uh, They ruminate, and romaic, because romaic has to do with Hellenism in its modern form, iromni, romiosini, how that relates to us as modern Greeks, bridging the ancient and modern divide. Right. But mostly because you like alliterations and you said so. I love alliterations. And I couldn't really come up with anything that has to do with uh, Hellenic. I was thinking Hellenic hauntings. Right. Um, Hellenic haute couture. And then I got sidetracked, so we got, we got left with the uh, ruminations. So I'm sorry. I apologise. <laughs> hey, I love it. Hey, it's an alliteration and I'm actually quite happy with it. So um, we decided to actually experiment a little with the, uh, the format of the show. It might change as things go on, uh, but uh, I think that um, the formula we've got is, well, let's come up with the uh, let's let's talk a little bit about um, very briefly about uh, a bit of history between you and I. Okay. Right. So we do met- we really want to go there? Well, our wives are probably watching. <laughs> they probably are. Yeah. Wife, uh, if you're watching this, none of this ever happened. <laughs> Don't believe anything. So. Uh, a couple of things. One, uh, we met each other in 2004. Okay, if you say so. We did, we did, we mm-hmm. did. Uh, I, think we'll I was very, very drunk. No, you were giving a, you were giving a talk. Oh, I'm, good. I'm happy that you said talk after that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whether you were, if you were drunk beforehand, I would, I'm very impressed. Absolutely. <laughs> this is going to be a good show. Now, uh, we've basically got, uh, uh, they've struck up a friendship. We have uh, caught up many, many, many times. We've had many conversations, usually talking about uh, many aspects of Greek community, Greek culture, Greek history. And uh, we thought that uh, given that the two of us enjoy our conversations so much, maybe two or three other people out there might enjoy them as well. See, this is a problem for me, Pete. I would have thought that if there are so many years of friendship, 
um, that things would have developed past the stage of only talking about the same thing. No. And yet it appears that we've been speaking no. about the same thing since 2004 and there's been no development. None and at all. things have become stagnant. Yeah, absolutely. And I really wonder what is happening with us. Well, maybe this show won't spark something up. Who knows? I don't know. I just want to point out that I am wearing pants underneath this desk. <laughs> it's a pretty heavy desk. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so what we thought we'll do is uh, uh, you tend to uh, post uh, maybe, what, uh, 10 posts a day on Facebook? On a, on a slow day, yeah. On a slow day. Uh, and I thought that once a week uh, I'll choose maybe five or six things that um, I found interesting. Okay. And then maybe we can we can uh, talk about it a bit. Yeah, we can give that a go. And uh, so uh, so let's start off with something very uh, light. So we've actually called this something, haven't we? We've actually called this Facebook frolics. Frolics. We tried frolics. Yeah. <laughs> another, th- it's it's another iteration. Well, do you know what? <laughs> With, with the F word, um, you can use the F or you can use PH oh, because yes. that's an F, so we can come up with something else yeah. later on because frolics is a bit too frivolous, isn't it? <laughs> and, um, you know, in Northcote, the PH is silent, so, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to all my Northcote friends. So, basically, um, are you having a, are you having a, a go at uh, the Northcote ac- accent? No, look, I love accents. Um, I can do a few. Uh, and uh, I'm always interested in the phonology. For example, last night I was remarking to my mum that even though I've born here, yeah. whenever I say the word historia in English, it's history. I always say history instead of history because my phonology in English is influenced by my Greek. So you have a bit of a... There's a ch in, a in there. In yeah, that. because that's the natural thing to do when you in, in Greek. I mean, it's historia in Greek, but if I want to do the her sound, when I say history, it comes out he. Amazing. You know what? And I don't even live in Northcote. <laughs> but I think many of us might do that without even knowing. I haven't, I haven't there, are, there are a lot of them that come out and you don't realise it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. All right, so you've posted many things this week on, on Facebook. I've chosen maybe five or okay. six, uh, and I'm going to hit this button over here, and we're going to go to the very first one. Okay. All right. Back this button, this button here. Fearless okay. leader. Our fearless leader. Bill Babasteria it is. <laughs> and then next to him, my esteemed friend and Kumbaro, I must yes. add, uh, Leonidas Vilakakis, who is the uh, co-chair of the Antipodes Festival. Now, these two are actually on the Greek community of Victoria. The board Absolutely. Of the Greek uh, Bill is our fearless leader and president. Yes. He's very prominent is. member in the Greek community. Very right. well respected. Very mm. influential. Mm. And uh, Leonidas, uh, I think, is one of the organisers or the chief organiser of the greatest Greek-Australian festival in this co- on this continent. Yeah, can't argue with that. Uh, very important. And as a, w- one of the uh, people that work for the festival, mm. uh, the director actually, uh, Jorge Menidis, was telling me the other day, for many Greek-Australians, this festival is the key identifier of them being Greek and that the only contact that they have with the Greek community is for those two days that weekend when the festival happens. So uh, in terms of being at a cultural icon, it is extremely mm. important. Isn't it? And we almost uh, we almost lost that festival too. Like, Did we? Well, we almost... Uh, one year, didn't it actually go ahead? A few... Um, like 12, 13 years ago? No. As far as I know, the only time that didn't go ahead in its current big form yeah. was this year. 
because of Corona. Right. Okay. So um, 2007 or eight. No, no, no. no it went it ahead. Went ahead. It went ahead. Yeah. Okay. So, so okay. Well, it's a, a constant on our community calendar. Mm-hmm. It's a very important event. And it's mm-hmm. a great event. I mean, for example, where else would you see me in a tent wearing a fustanella? Well, we'll get to that. Let's get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that later on. Absolutely. Because there was another place that you actually were at with a fustanella. In fact, you've been wearing that. Uh, you've been wearing that uh, a fair bit lately. Look, I find the fustanella yeah. most liberating. For many reasons. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, this going back to this photograph here, what are we looking at here? So okay, basically what we're looking at is this. There is a piece of property which is owned by the Greek community, yep. very large piece of property in Bulin, yep. uh, known as the Bulin Ikopedo. Yep. And uh, for many, many years, mm-hmm. for decades, we've been trying to figure out what to do with this Ikopedo. Mm-hmm. There were plans to redevelop it, Unfortunately, there was an issue with government plans and permits and uh, road building works. Right. Now, what's happened, and I think this is a stroke of genius, Mm -hmm. and full credit goes to the board of the Greek community for shepherding this through, is that they've managed to do a deal with the buyer to sell it at a profit. The buyer is... The buyer's identity is undisclosed. We don't know who they are. Right. But the rumours going around the community is that it's actually the Liberal Party. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Do you feel that the Liberal Party would not buy things? And you're laughing. I find it, it are you exposing? Are you expo- Are you exposing a partisan bias? I thought we were going to be politically neutral on this we show. We are absolutely politically okay. neutral. Any every okay. political Should party I, is up for uh, grabs and attacks. Should I replace the word Liberals with the Greens? Then well, I find that far more, well, far less, far more plausible, far less plausible. To be honest. Okay, we know you support the Labor Party, <laughs> but anyway, the Liberals have reputedly bought this block of land from the Greek community at right. an undisclosed price, okay? Mm. And, the, and the idea is that they want to build a theme park on yes. this because okay. it can't really be used for building anything else dedicated to SCOMO. Right, and what are we calling it? SCOMO land. Right. And then the whole idea is that's, that there will be this effigy, if you will, of SCOMO. Yep. You know how there's Luna Park and there's those big teeth and you walk through the jaws of the... <laughs> yeah. It will be ScoMo with arms outstretched, and every time you go through the turnstile, yeah, uh, he will say it'll be recorded. Obviously, how good are the Greeks? The way he did it in the twenty uh, fifth of in March his, message in his address to us, right? And and you know what? If you answer plausibly how good they are, yeah. and you agree with him, you right. might even get in for free. Wow! It all a- depends. It's like the other day when the Hillsville Sanctuary did Bird Sanctuary did that deal where if your surname is a bird's name, you right. get in for free. Yeah. Well, it was a couple of weekends ago, whenever it was. And the point is, that's great if you're an Aussie, yeah. because there are a lot of birds' names. Yeah, bird, eagle, hawk, whatever. Yeah. With us, there's bugger all. <laughs> now, if you're an Arab or Chinese in descent, or you've got an Indian surname, yeah. how are the guys at the turnstile going to know whether you've got a bird's name or not? That's a very good point. It's brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. So they're going to avoid that with ScoMo Land. <laughs> all you have to do is say, yeah, mate, bloody brilliant, and you're in. And you're in. So this is happening sometime down the track because obviously with corona and everything they've got to manage crowds oh the other thing is you've got to be a registered liberal party voter you've got to be registered as a liberal party member and voter to get in of course of course i mean that makes sense and that way the crowds will get thinned down dramatically (laughs) for safety reasons yeah the other bit the other bit and that's why my my kumbaro and esteemed colleague uh, leonidas vlachakis is relevant here in this pick is um that as part of the deal yeah he gets leased to the Liberal Party for 99 years. 
99. 99 years. So they'll enjoy the full use of Leonidas Vlachakis for he 99 years. His expertise, yeah. his brilliance, what and a, his dashing good what looks. What a sacrifice for the greater uh, good of the Greek community. Trust me, the man is an asset. Mm. Um, I, I often tell him this, and yeah. he looks at me adoringly, mm. which as he should. <laughs> so that's a great piece of news for the 1st of April. And yes. uh, we must mention this. We, we didn't. What? The fact that we're shooting our very first show on the 1st of April. And you asked me a very important (laughs) question this morning, which was what, Pete? You said, who are the fools? Who are the fools? Or as Mr. T used to say, pity the fool. Pity the fool. Absolutely. Okay, moving on. Moving on. Let me go to this uh, next one over here. Right. Okay. we move on from community politics straight into... Genocide. Ancient ancient history. Okay, uh, and the question is obviously, what are we looking at? Yeah, what are we looking at here? Who is who is she? Okay, that's media, right? And she's being drawn by a dragon-drawn chariot. Dragon-drawn. I mean, serious ancient Greeks only use means of conveyance that have dragons in front of them. You know, okay. drag dragon power. None of this electric eel or you know horsepower no, 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 or of any course of that. Not. Of it's dragon not. power. Yeah. And the story is obviously relating to Jason and the Argonauts. Jason goes to Colchis. He meets uh, Midia. Mm-hmm. She likes him. Mm-hmm. Uh, she tells him how to defeat the dragon, which is or the snake, depending on the variant of the myth. Right. That's guarding the golden fleece. Yeah. Uh, in defiance of her father, as a result, she needs to leave. Jason takes her with him on the boat. They go back to uh, Thessalia. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have two kids, mm-hmm. and then he falls in love with another woman. Right. And she's not happy, so she kills her children. And you can see him down there, the dead children. So, okay, let's go back to this now. Yeah, you can see him down there. They're the two kids. So that's uh, a, that's a her two two children slaughtered by their mother. Yeah, because their father fell in love with another woman. And what she didn't want his spawn to continue. Or something. no, no, we'll get to that. So what happens is that she escapes, right? Because she's semi divine. She escapes on this chariot which belongs to the god Helios, which is why you have the rays of the sun. Right. And she goes to Persia, yeah. and her son that she fathers in Persia, right. or Persis, is the ancestor of the Persians, according to Greek myth. Fantastic. Now, she's used as a motif in Greek mythology for the irrational, for Eastern passion, because even back then we're, we're creating stereotypes. Yeah. You know, the West is supposed to be logical, clinical, uh, based on rational thought, whereas the East is passionate, subversive, and also it's a female stereotype that women get enraged, that women know no bounds, uh, that hell hath no fury than the woman scorned, is the old expression. Right. That's what's happening here, and she's wearing a Phrygian cap, which is that peaked cap uh, there, the high cap, which is a symbol in ancient Greek art of the East. That Phrygian cap. Yeah. And where does that name come from? Phrygian? Phrygia is uh, a euphemism for something else, only joking. <laughs> um, I'm not Phrygian going to go down that path. But <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is northwestern Asia Minor. Yeah. Phrygia. Oh, wow. Now, the Phrygians are related to the ancient Thracians and their language is very similar. And that language is considered by some to be closely related to ancient Armenian. Wow, okay. That's, that's something else. So that's what we're looking at here. We're looking at this woman who is a symbol of mystery, of sexual power, but also of evil, according to Greek myth. 
Amazing. And uh, she occupies a lot of the discourse, feminist discourse, about how women are portrayed and why. Okay. So, a lot learned there. You reckon? <laughs> so, she, so her, the, her, she mothered... Gave birth to who again? Per- Perseus? Persis. Persis. Persis, the, yeah, the, not, the not, not ancestor Perseus. of the Persians. No, that's someone else. One of my earliest childhood memories is mm-hmm. being taken to a production right. of Media, the ancient play. Right. Where there's the... I, I can't remember where it was, somewhere in Melbourne. It was outside. It's an outdoor, it was an outdoor Local theater. production? I don't know whether they were actors from Greece. I can't remember. Right. I was very, very young. Yeah. But the scene... It's, there was a revolving platform and the kids come out from the back yeah. and they're just lying on the ground dead and she's hovering over them. It, this thing has haunted me my whole life. How old were you? I think I was about four or five. Four or five years old? Yeah, my parents would do things like that to me, but we'll talk about that <laughs> later. I think, I, I think they were trying to teach me to appreciate them and explain there are consequences if I didn't. Well, that's what I think. clearly it's left a mark. Yeah, well, they've denied it, but anyway. <laughs> All right, moving on. Oh, okay. Ooh. I think I think we're still in the um, we're still in the the ancient Greek mode. Sort here, of, right? yeah, 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 yeah. So, what are we what are we looking at here? What are we looking at here? What do you see? Well, I see a woman on the back of a man. Okay, and she seems to be pulling his hair with one uh, hand mm-hmm. and smacking his bottom with another. So to Oh, I had only noticed the wallpaper. <laughs> yeah, okay. So is that, is that why, is that the special significance? Well, of I thought we picture? were going to talk about the wallpaper. The, the wallpaper. Okay, what okay. we're looking at here is the bearded man who is in that submissive pose. Yes. And this is a medieval bondage scene. I can say this. It is a medieval bondage scene. And what's happened here is that the man that is portrayed is Aristotle the philosopher. Aristotle the philosopher. And Aristotle is the symbol in the West of rationality. Mm-hmm. Of scientific thought, mm-hmm. yeah, a very empirical, very detailed philosopher. He and Plato were the foundations of Western philosophy and Western civilization. Mm-hmm. Okay, everything rests on those shoulders, and he's being ridden by Phyllis. Now, Phyllis is a made-up being. Right, Phyllis didn't exist, but somewhere in the 1500s, it was decided and written as a myth that there was a woman called Phyllis mm-hmm. who. Aristotle lost a bit, and as a result, the forfeit was she would get to ride him and whip him. What? And, and what this symbolises for the people riding at the time, this was in Germany, it's a German myth of the 1500s, okay. is that Phyllis represents the power of female sexuality right. over male intellect and the subversive quality of female sexuality and how it can subvert this rationality that males are supposed to embody in that stereotype. Isn't that just another way of saying that uh, males just think with one body part? And no, one I, would, I would say that instead of smack daddy, this is smack mummy. <laughs> oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. It's the word of the day, is it? It is. <laughs> Uh, oh, here we go. There's so there she is. She's riding him yeah, here, and I think is. that she's what's, she's actually goading him with a whip or something. There, there you go. You can see that, and and that's what that's about. So it's 
Mm. It's feeding into that stereotype about the subversive nature of female sexuality. Amazing. And uh, I would imagine this particular picture here would have been uh, drawn up back in the same era. Well, 1513, you can see from the date then. Right there. So it's a very old, very enduring and very pervasive myth within the West. That didn't Mm. catch on in the East. Um, By that stage, we were under the Ottomans. Mm. But even before that, um, the Byzantines had a completely different approach to their ancient Greek history. Okay. Amazing. Right. Okay. Moving ahead. Yeah. A little past the medieval period. Yeah, past the bondage and, and on to... Oh, this is topical. Right here. So, I know that this is the beginning of the Greek or the first stanza, the first verse. Which has something Greek. like, I think, 163 or 165 verses. Yeah, I thought it was 150-something. Well, my point is that maybe what we should do when we have foreign dignitaries who we don't like is to make them sit there and salute the whole 100 and whatever it is verses and play them all. Um, I want to see the president of Turkey, Erdogan, pee himself because he can't hold it any longer while that anthem (laughs) is being played. That is what I want. Can you make this happen, Peter? I'll speak to a few people. Thank you. Not a problem at all. Back to this. So um, this this part here down the bottom, I I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's what is that? This? What is this? Okay, well, this is something that not many people know, which is, first of all, that Dionysios Solomos, which Solomos in Greece almost so means salmon. Yes. So you know how we have Paul Salmon, the footballer? <laughs> it could be that Dionysios, Dion Salmon, Dion. Is, his, is his ancestor. ancestor. I don't know. And Dionysios as a name meaning? Is it, does it have a meaning? Must Dionysius, yeah. uh, that's an ancient god, yeah? The ancient god of uh, god wine and, and revelry. So, yes, absolutely. Who apparently came from India, but that's another story. Another story um, for another show. Okay. Solomos's first language was Italian. He lived in the Ionian right. Isles, which were under Venice and mm-hmm. Italian influence for a very long time. Mm-hmm. He was Italian educated as most Greeks who lived in that place were. Mm-hmm. Okay. He trained himself to write in Greek, even though he thought in Italian because he believed in the cause of the Greek Revolution and he believed that that should be articulated in the language of the people. He would sign his name in Italian. So if you have a look at his signature, Solomos is always written in Latin letters. And being uh, Italian-oriented in education, in culture, Mm -hmm. he's prefaced the Greek national anthem with a quote from Dante's uh, Divine Comedy. Right. So, which means... Uh, I will sing of liberty from the heart. Uh, anyone who has tasted it would give up their life for it. Wow. So the hymn to liberty, um, I recognize you from the cut of the sword. Of the sword. I recognize you from the visage which uh, transcends the earth and all of that. He's singing of liberty and he's referring to Dante and Dante's conception of what liberty is about. Wow. Now that's very important because if, the, if you gauge the significance of the Greek revolution in the area in which it happened, Mm -hmm. it sparked off and uh, inspired liberation movements in Italy because Italy was not united. It was all these states. All of a sudden you get this idea that, hey, Italy should be united. And that's why you get many of the Garibaldini, uh, the uh, followers of Garibaldi later on coming to Greece to fight for the liberation of other parts of Greece because they've already fought for Italian independence and unification and they want to do the same thing with the unredeemed territories of the Greek people. So you have that. And there is that direct link between the two. Wow. 
So that's what that's about. Our national anthem is prefaced with an Italian quote by Dante. I Gee. think that's cool. No, I, think I think that's fantastic. That's really, well. really cool. There you go. Staying in Italy. Okay, let's go. Staying let's in Italy. There. Okay. Can you tell me something about this? I can. Library here. Well, this edifice is where I went when I went to Venice. Yeah. And I was dying for a cup of coffee. So this is in Venice. Yeah, this is Venice. This is Piazza di San Marco. Okay. Which is the tour, the the major uh, hub yeah. for tourists. It's a place that actually almost uh, uh, defines Venice, if you like. Uh, yeah, it's where everyone. It That's where you go. It gathers and with are wearing those funny hats and uh, it floods every so often. That's it does flood where. every so often and uh, you see all of these Asian tourists scurrying to save their shoes mm. from destruction. Yeah. Um, but what you... I, I went here yeah. and uh, I was dying for a cup of coffee mm-hmm. and was asked to pay 60 euro for that cup of coffee and obviously I did not pay 60 euro for that cup of coffee because Glad I'm a Greek it. Australian. <laughs> I said unto myself, I said, Costa, because that is my real name, you can go in the evening to the hotel in which you are staying and you can go downstairs to the supermarket which is next door and you can buy yourself a cheap rubbish cup of coffee. You, didn't, you, don't, you do not need to spend 60 euros for the privilege of being in that building. That was a big mistake. Oh, really? Because this building is of immense significance to Hellenism and Greeks. Why is that? That is because this place here yes. is the first building that was built specifically yeah. to house ancient Greek manuscripts which were coming from the subjugated Ottoman territories after the fall of Constantinople. There was a remarkable man, he was a Pondian like yourself, except his beard was longer, <laughs> whose name was Cardinal Visarion, who was one of the major players in the negotiations before the fall of Constantinople for the unification of the Catholic and the Orthodox churches. Wow. Um, he saw the writing on the wall, decided to become Catholic because he felt it was the only way that he could, A, use and divert Catholic attention and funds towards the liberation right. of Byzantium. Right. Uh, but And two, because he was obviously thinking, well, you know, Byzantium is going to fall, I better get myself a good job somewhere else. And uh, <laughs> the West is paying. <laughs> so what he did was he organised for Venice to build him this library in order to house the manuscripts which his agents were bringing back from the Ottoman territories. If it was not for that, A, our knowledge of these texts would have been severely decreased and not many of them would have survived. So our knowledge of the ancient Greek corpus of literature, philosophy, everything else would be a lot less than what it is today. Two, the impact of the Renaissance would have been severely diminished. It would not have been the Renaissance in the way we know it. The Enlightenment wouldn't have happened in the way it did. The whole course of Western history would have changed. Now, you wow. can see one the... One library. Yeah, one library. You can see the caption and you can read out what the name of the library is there. Marciana? The Marciana Library. Marciana Library. Why? Named after St. Mark. St. Mark, the patron of Venice. Right. Yeah. Had no idea. Our most impressive and important building for all Greeks. This is the heart, if you like, the arc of survival during the Ottoman period because you know, and we can talk about this in another program, Venice was the arc of Greek civilization during Ottoman times. They had printing presses, they had philosophers, they housed the writers, and the books that were printed in Venice were the books that sustained the Greek nation under subjugation. So they would, build, they would print religious in texts Venice. in Venice. 
the first and most important and enduring Greek typographio printing press by Nikolaos Glikis, founded in the 1600s, lasted until after the revolution. And they were printing religious books for use in the churches, and they were, and they were printing manuals, school books, and everything else you could think of in between. They sustained Greek literature during that period. It was a mecca and an arc of Greek civilization, as I say. Very important. The year of this building? So 14... Look, yeah, f- 14, 1460s? Yeah, 1460s. Yeah. Not in its current form. It was added to renovated change, right, but that's right, when we're looking right, at right, the, right. the initial founding of it. Amazing. Amazing. Right. Worth paying 60 euro. For a coffee. Absolutely. <laughs> there is there is something about um as a Melbourneian, I just can't I just can't justify sixty dollars for a coffee that just might not meet. You know, as a Melbourneian, I think that this idea of coffee is overrated anyway. Um I only drink Greek coffee. That is because my tastes are coarse and pedestrian. <laughs> and uh, any other form of coffee leaves me cold. I can't tell the difference between any of these weird Italian names for coffees. Yeah, I'm unfortunately one of those guys that can. You are one of those guys. Yeah, I am one of those very petulant guys that can. As long as you know. <laughs> okay, now I'm going to spring a couple of things that... Oh, no, not we, springing. Yes, I am. I am going to spring a couple of things that uh, that were somewhat... Uh, well, generated a, some discussion on... Uh, in the social media? In the social I media. I love thing. social media. <laughs> right, so I mean, I don't know much about it. it. I don't dabble often, but when I do, it's spectacular. Yeah, but we got it. Like, we have to. Like, we okay. have to discuss it, okay. right? We're like, discussing. So we, That's what we're here for. Absolutely. So got to pat out this program somehow <laughs> and, and hide the fact that we have absolutely no real content. <laughs> no one's interested in real content. Have you seen what's on social media these days? Right. So let's, let's talk about this. You had to do this to me, didn't you? <laughs> well, you, you had to do you, this. Mate, you put the you put a post up. Yeah. Okay. You put a post up. And the post uh mentioned something about rugby colours. Yeah. Right. So Because you know I follow the rugby. <laughs> well, you're clearly a Bulldogs fan. Absolutely. <laughs> so, as am I, and I've got to thank my uh, godbrother Papulidis for that. But this particular um, this particular uh, sorry, can I can I just get you to back up a bit? Yes, your god brother is the Papulidis, the Papulidis, the Papulidis of Sydney fame, <laughs> of Sydney, the fame. doyen of the of the Pondian community in Sydney. Well, I wouldn't get that. Far. He he is your god brother. He is. Yes, I wish you had told me sooner. I don't think we can be friends anymore. <laughs> well, it's too late. The show it is, is too late. The show must go late. on. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, going back to this. Now, okay. this is the thing, right? Um, I have my own opinion on this, uh, but my understanding mm. was that there was a petition uh, for the New South Wales government uh, to light up the uh, Sydney Opera House in blue. Yeah. Blue or blue and white. Okay. Uh, in, um, uh, well, in honour of the 25th of March and, and, and in commemoration of the 25th of March, right? Uh, so they did this, but they've added uh, like an effect uh, on on the uh, on the opera house. Admittedly, when I saw that, I I thought, yeah, that's that's nice. Okay. That's that's nice. That's good. You look like just the kind of guy who would. <laughs> well, you know, I wasn't expecting. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't expecting a masterpiece. I do know this though. Mm. Uh, when the announcement was made, 
there was a Photoshop picture that was circulating. As that's well. right, of the Greek flag. <laughs> and that sort of raised everyone's expectations. It did, didn't it, yeah. right? So, uh, like, everyone was expecting that. Mm. And when they didn't get it... There uh, was disappointment. There was. There was disappointment. It was palpable. You could hear it in the ether of social media. And I'm talking about um, <laughs> not just people outside of Sydney, mm. uh, which, uh, but even people within Sydney. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, your thoughts on that at all? Well, my thoughts are this. Anything that doesn't have the Pondian eagle emblazoned on oh, it come. is not valid. Um. That's the first point. Oh, come on. The second point is this. What is this? I don't understand what this is. This is a cordella, a ribbon, which yeah. is gracefully floating on the arcs of the Opera House, the most iconic building in Australia. Right. That is what everyone looks at. Mm-hmm. And it refers to when they're thinking of Australia. Yeah. And what is it? I don't know what it is. Does this say Greece to me? No, it doesn't. That doesn't say Greece to me. That says Cordella to me. And for me, I don't know who conceived of this as a way rep- of representing Greek freedom, but to me it conveys nothing. Would you? I'm a, I would have thought that it would be in like the stripes of the Greek flag. Maybe. But they're not. Yeah. These, are three, these are three stripes. Yeah. That could be the flag of Uruguay. Mm-hmm. It could be the flag of Uruguay. Then, then a lot of people have said, well, look, you know, this is a... Uh, shouldn't we get too uh, worried about this because what this actually is is a take of the Greek... Uh, the official Greek logo for the 2021 independence celebrations. Ah, uh, yes, of course. Which, from Greece, which right? has Their been logo. Which has been lifted from an old uh, Russian logo for a celebration of something else. Mm. So it's not really original anyway. Mm. It's been copied. And again, it says nothing about about 1821 or 2021. And my question is this. I may accept as a valid argument the fact that, yes, this may be trying to emulate the puerile attempts of the Greek government to celebrate a celebration by employing Soviet uh, imagery. Oh, God. But A, what? Why do we have to follow the puerility of and sterility of the thought of the Greek government? Right. I don't understand why. We are Greek Australians. We are not labouring under the inept regimes of Greece. And B, Mm -hmm. we are Greek Australians. And when we're considering what does the revolution mean to us, how does that convey that concept? I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. What should the revolution, in my opinion, mean to Greek Australians? The revolution was about... Yeah, the revolution was about establishing a state as a safe haven to protect and nurture the Greek people so that they are not lost. Right. Okay? Here in Australia, Mm -hmm. how does that relate to us? That relates to us in the following way. We are here. If we are to respect the sacrifices of those ancestors who died or fought in the revolution in order to create a sense of modern Hellenism and to foster the continuous development of Greekness. Right. Yeah, yeah. We have to take any steps possible to retain our identity here. Mm-hmm. Okay? Right. In any form, whether that's language, culture, religion. I mean, Hellenism as a topic is so vast, it's inexhaustible. Mm. It exhausts superlatives, yeah? Yeah. So what's that got to do with it? What does that say to you or to me? To me, it says nothing. To me, it says, let's put a cordella there, and which says nothing, which is neutral, so that we can get the Greeks to say, you know what? That's it. We've done you a favour. Bugger off. But if it was just blue, 
just let's say it was just blue or just yeah. blue and the half was blue and half they just left white. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you saying that that would have been preferable? Yeah, I do. Really? And I'll tell you why. Because blue and white and national colours, this design doesn't come from anywhere. So you're saying that the actual uh, um, the actual ribbon they've got going through The ribbon it, is a problem for right, me. For you. Now, okay. I accept people who say, well, no, you're stark raving mad because people have been saying that all my life. <laughs> and there may be a dose of truth in that. And I respect people's opinion. Some people may have right, looked okay. at that and said, that's great. What that's I found interesting were those people that said to me, look, you shouldn't be complaining mm. because we should be grateful yes. to the Australian government or the state government yes. for doing this for us. Mm. And my response to that is no, we shouldn't be grateful. They are not doing us a favour. We are part of the intrinsic fabric of this country and we've okay. been around for a very long time. And as historians progress in the research of the Greek presence in Australia, mm. it's getting pushed further and further back. We've been here for a very long time, okay? Right. Since at least the 1820s. Yes. Yeah? That's right. Okay. Considering that, they are not doing us a favour. The contributions we've made to this country mm. are immense mm. in all fields. Yes. We're law-abiding citizens. We're vibrant. Mm. We're great. We are a credit to ourselves and to Australia. Mm. Allowing us, allowing us to celebrate our identity mm. is our right. Yes, It fosters multiculturalism. Mm. It sends a message that all cultures are equal and, and uh, are cherished and respected in Australia. Yeah. And you do that in the most culturally appropriate way. Mm-hmm. And there is nothing wrong with having a debate about how appropriate that way is. Right. So having, um, uh, having spoken to... Uh, members of the Greek uh, community in uh, Sydney, uh, they uh, those who actually went to see it mm. were very moved by it. Uh, you, I think um, on f- social media you saw a number of videos of people celebrating, yeah. you know, dancing. So all in all, uh, I believe it was a, a successful uh, uh, event okay. and, 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 and conveyed... Um, well, well, in the end, it, it achieved its desired outcome, and that is it gave the Greeks, especially of Sydney, an opportunity to celebrate their, um, uh, and then to commemorate and celebrate the 25th of March. Uh, but I might concede the point on... Why the are you sitting on the fence? Are you trying to be a neutral uh, host here? I am not trying to be a neutral host, but I, I do believe that um, anything that helps the community celebrate and commemorate things, I'm in favour of. Even if it's not 100% perfect, and I concede that you make one uh, point, and I can see why the ribbon can be distracting. I personally don't... I'm expecting some Russian big, gymnast to be dangling <laughs> off this ribbon and entangling deal. her legs in some type of gy- gymnastic <laughs> contortion. While this is going on, I respect people's sensitivities and sensibilities. Right. I respect that for some people, this is the bee's knees, mm. and the fact that the government has condescended to give them this mm. is important to them, their identity. Mm. For me personally, and I don't judge anyone, I don't think it was that appropriate. I think it could have been done better. Mm. For me, driving the other day through Oakley, as I did, and coming across a solitary weatherboard house in the middle of Oakley, on which had been appended a Greek flag, 
was oh, much. You posted that. Yeah, too. was much more moving. I haven't got that photograph. That's okay, <laughs> but that was much more moving. We do not need, although it's nice to get it, the accolades of the government in mm. order to feel good about being Greek. No, we, we don't, don't need it. No, we don't need it. But as you said, we don't need it. It is our right. It feels yeah. good when we get it, yeah. but we don't need it. Mm. It's no, a no, bonus. Let's say that nothing had been lit up anywhere. Right. Would that make us feel any less Greeks? Absolutely not. I don't not. think so. No, no, you're so right, maybe you're the right. answer to the question is, and I've just defeated my own argument, <laughs> which often is the case by talking around myself, that, you know what, that's okay. As part of uh, a multifaceted celebration, which includes a lot of other ekdilosis and a lot of other interesting vromena, yeah, yeah. because I can't think of the words in English at the moment. <laughs> okay. If that's what makes you happy, I'm not that too offended. Okay. Go dogs. Go dogs. All right, moving on. Now, here, I didn't put these photographs, these next ones, side by side, but you had them side by side in your Oh, post. that's right. We're going to talk about juxtaposition. Uh, we are. So okay. this was the first photograph on okay, the Okay, let's go to the first one. Charming. Absolutely. And this was the photograph on the right. Okay. Okay. And uh, you know what? I, I, I really can't remember the... Um, uh, the title of the post. The title was Two Greases. That's right. That's right. That's okay. Yeah, so Two Greases. Yeah, Two Greases. Uh, and then, uh, so, firstly, explain what the intent was of putting these two together. What is it um, that you were trying to say? Okay. I lifted these pictures from the Facebook profile of Professor Vasilis Nitsiakos from the University of Yanina. Right. And what he was trying to say was that in Greece, you have a vast disparity between privileged and entitled people right. who, by virtue of their position, are able to get things done and the movers and shakers and are very prominent. And you see there Mrs. Vardinoyanis, who, is, uh, who belongs to one of the most powerful and rich families in Greece, next to Mrs. Angelopoulou Daskalaki, who you would probably know was the instigator behind getting the Athens 2004 Games happening. Is that her? That's absolutely her. Is that her? That's her. I remember what she looked like. I, I did not recognise okay. her. So there, there are these very powerful, very prominent Greek women. And then you have your yaya in the right. Khoryo. So for me, and the way I understood Professor Nitsiakos is, you have the entitled and the powerful, and you have the people who are not powerful. Right. And yeah. then you can say, well, okay. even though they're not so powerful, maybe they're just as respected. Yeah? Right. Ivavos to Choryo excites as much love and affection and awe because she's an old lady and because of what she symbolises. And these ladies who actually are in a position where they can get things done, mm. whereas Yaya can't in the public sphere, mm. also excite respect and awe, but for different reasons. Okay. So I'm looking Makes at sense. class, I'm looking at power disparity, right. I'm looking at these things. Yes. Now, the Facebook discussion that ensued underneath was completely different. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. So, I, which, it it which, went in a completely yeah. weird direction. So I, tangential, tangential but not really unsurprising direction, mm. which is people uh, basically drawing attention to the rather sculpted features of the entitled ladies. Yeah. Uh, rather than anything else and making yeah. comments about that. Uh, mm. And in which case, certain ladies pointed out that the way people look is their right mm -hmm. and that you shouldn't be making comments about people's appearance. Mm. And idolising the yaya 
and, and I think one of your compatriots made this point, mm. uh, idolising the yaya as the paragon of what a woman should look like is hypocritical, mm. uh, especially if you're a male, when uh, the male's wives in question are the ones that will use <laughs> fake eyelashes, paint their nails, uh, get work done and do all these things. Yeah, And it's a good point. And it just shows how certain aspects of misogyny, uh, if mm. you like, remain within the discourse and come out when you don't expect it. Mm. So I thought it was a very interesting teaching point. Yeah, so did I. Because I'm, you shouldn't be judging people on the way they look. No. You judge people on their acts and you judge people on uh, the way they engage. But that fo- those two photographs, though, we, we, we looked... Well, we've observed the way they looked, mm. and we've used that to, you know, uh, uh, to act as a metaphor for these two classes, right? Yeah, well, yeah. absolutely. Because yeah, so uh, that was um, so that, but then that also led to the fact that you shouldn't judge, and that became an issue. That became an issue. Yeah, w- would that have been an issue maybe ten or twenty years ago? Would, would people have drawn those con- that same conclusion and gone down that path ten or twenty years ago, or is it something that's a product of? Our time today, and especially after the Me Too. No, I think I think the judging on appearance is something that would have definitely happened twenty years ago. Perhaps the pointing out that this is not okay is may may have not right, uh, right, arisen right, right. with yeah. so many yeah, uh, such emphasis, which mm. is a good thing. I think mm. good thing. I mean, one of the great things that's emerged out of this year with everything that's gone on in the social context is that the broader Australian and global social context has informed the way that we as Greek Australians. Look at the revolution. Mm. And if you notice, there's um, a great emphasis on examining the role of women in the revolution. There and is. And almost this, every yeah, single, yeah, almost Absolutely. every single exilosi, uh, yep. if you will, focuses on that. Yeah. Now, the way that they do it is debatable and requires analysis, and maybe we should leave that for another time. Another topic. Because some of the way that... Writing these topics down, yeah, some of, some of the ways that they look into this topic, for me, is a bit iffy. I mean, you look at Mandor Mavrogenos, and I'll stop there because I think we should discuss it at a later time. Agreed. Uh, the first thing you hear when people talk about Mandor Mavrogenos, and there was a lady speaking from Greece, an academic, mm-hmm. she was rich, and she was good-looking. Mm. Immediately, that says a lot about yeah. the discourse and how it treats women who mm. were amazing and who affected great change within the mm. revolution. Mm. But that's that's for another day. I know, because you also brought it to attention about another woman, woman that, was almost lost to history. Yeah, she's for another day too. Another, another Save day some well. room for later, Augustus. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, apart from the 25th of March, uh, we do have something else that uh, we commemorate, specifically, I believe, today, the, being the 1st of April. So moving on, what I wanted to do is I wanted to bring up um, yeah. this picture. Yeah. So probably going... A little heavy now and a little serious. Uh, what is this picture? What's happening here? Who are okay, they? basically the British colonialists in Cyprus mm-hmm. are rounding up suspected Eoka fighters. Right. Now, Eoka was the uh, group that was uh, founded in Cyprus mm-hmm. for the liberation of Cyprus from mm-hmm. British rule. Right. Because we know that in 1878, mm-hmm. as part of the various treaties, Cyprus was taken away from the Ottoman Empire by the British right. and formed part of the British Empire. Mm-hmm, that's right, yeah. Under nominal Ottoman suzerainty, but practically that never happened. It mm-hmm. was British-administered. Mm-hmm. In uh, the Greeks, in the mid 
20th century decided we've had enough of British rule. Mm-hmm. Why can't we have independence? Right. And they staged some informal referendums mm-hmm. because they wanted independence, which mm. the British didn't acknowledge. And then on the 1st of April 1955, mm. uh, we commemorate the start of the Enoplo Arona, the actual proper uh, campaign to right. liberate Cyprus from the British. Right. And the British were very cruel on Cyprus. The British committed a lot of atrocities against the Greek people in Cyprus. Uh, really? There are... We hardly... Well, uh, we, we hardly hear... Well, people like Evagoras Palikaridis, uh, one of the young student, hung. Grigoris Afxendiu, uh, holed up in the cave and was burnt, uh, and he was allowed to be burnt alive. Um, the, there are accounts of rapes. There are accounts of savage beatings. There are accounts of targeted murders. And there is, of course, uh, and the I Brits. remember, yes, a harrowing account of the Brits running into churches, going behind the altar, desecrating the altar, allowing their dogs to urinate on the altar. And that was all part of a calculated effect to terrorise the population into submission. And this happened. And uh, the important thing, and I think we were talking about this earlier when we were discussing Eoka, yes. is this. Uh, your surprise at the Brits, comes from this idea that we belong to this British, or if you want, Anglo-Saxon English paradigm. Mm. And who is in control of that paradigm and how things are presented in that discourse? The English-speaking people are. Yes. Now, no person creates a discourse in which they, are, they appear as bad. Mm. Okay? Very true. So now, if you're looking at the Germans or the Russians or what the Russians did in the Soviet bloc mm. or what the Germans did during the mm. Second World War what the Turks did during the genocide mm. and all these things. Bad, 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 bad. And you draw conclusions and you create stereotypes. Mm. The British are brilliant because if you look at what the British have done throughout the world, mm. they've done some brilliant things, but mm. there's also some things where they've really blotted their copybook severely. Mm. Cyprus is one of them. They would not give independence to people that wanted independence. When they were finally forced to give independence in 1960, what did they create? They created a divided island. The plan to partition Cyprus, which took place in 74 with the invasion, yes. uh, already existed in the 50s and it was drawn up by the British. You serious? And Professor Spiros Vrionis, who's, who's dead now, has conclusively proved this and so have so many other people. They had... They yes, had, and the maps are plans? there. The maps are there. And this idea of dividing and ruling is a British modus operandi. Oh, Look at Ireland. Much we know, yes. Northern, Northern Ireland and the rest of Ireland sound familiar. North Yemen, South Yemen, the partition of India. Very true, yes. Uh, During the partition of India, which was arbitrary, it was completely arbitrary. Families got stuck on the wrong line. No, it was supposed to be religious-based. That didn't make sense in multicultural India. Millions of people died, millions. Now, in Cyprus, millions of people did not die during the Eoka campaign, but a lot of people did, and a lot of people suffered. Mm. Now, there are a lot of people here in Melbourne who actually fought in that campaign. There were a lot of them who were used as kids, and I've spoken to them. My bus driver used to take me home from uni. He was a person that, as a young guy, uh, was connected to Elka, and he would tell me stories of what they did and how the British treated them. If you were considered to be a freedom fighter, you were not a human. And if you're considered to be connected to a freedom fighter, you were not a human. And that gave these people the opportunity to commit atrocities for which they've not really ever acknowledged formally as on a government level, and for which they've never apologised. They've never, they've never acknowledged no. this. No, not formally, not and, formally. And they haven't apologised. No, 
Absolutely not. With the 4,000-odd British BBC documentaries that are produced um, showing their own country's atrocities throughout the world, was one ever done on this? There are various snippets of documentaries on Cyprus, but there is nothing in-depth, and a lot of the information is classified still. still, okay? But there is enough there to be able to show two things. One is that uh, Turkey, Turkey's official response in the beginning was that they were not interested in Cyprus. It was only when Eorka, because the population was small, the Turkish population was relatively small, right. it was only when Eorka began the campaign that the British told the Turks, and again, Spiros Vrionis, the professor, late professor, has proven this through his research, you know what, guys? You can have purchase here. You have a stake here. You should be asserting your claims. You're and they brought them into this thing. And we all know what the results of that are. Divided island, untold suffering, division between communities who could live together under certain sensitive arrangements and a perpetuation of hatred and a festering sore which is being exploited by various parties for no good reasons. Um, for me, being brought up in that paradigm of revolution and liberation, if a people want to join their motherland, they should be able to. It does not make sense mm. from that perspective to have an independent Cyprus that is not part of Greece. My dad comes from Samos. Samos was an independent principality mm. for almost 100 years because after Samos liberated itself from the Turks, and they did it on their own, not through the Battle of Navarino with English help. They did that on the own, their own. They kicked the Turks out. Wow. The Turks landed with the idea of trying to commit a genocide and killing all the Samians. The Samians head them off. They wanted to join onto Greece. They were not allowed to by the European powers. So for almost 100 years, between, I think, 1826 to 1913, so a little under 100 years, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Samos was an independent principality. Turks were not allowed on the island. They paid taxes to, to the Ottoman Empire, but they were their own country, basically. But the aspirations of the people were for endlessness with Greece. And in 1913, that happened. All of the other Aegean islands, Icaria, the same, all of these islands, Crete. Crete fought how many revolts in order to join onto Greece? Yeah. Cyprus was the same. I mean, Cyprus raised the flag of revolution under the uh, metropolitan Kyrillos, not Kyrillos, sorry, Kyprianos, in 1821, and he was martyred as a result. Serious. The national aspirations of the Cypriot people were always for enosis with Greece. The idea of creating an independent Cyprus was a way of managing the NATO relationship between Greece and Turkey and mm -hmm. making sure that certain Western interests uh, were not compromised. It had nothing to do with the wishes of the ma vast majority of the people. Vast majority of the people. For me, that's an international crime. Now, history has taken its own course. Uh, one does not have to belong to the Greek state in order to be a Greek. And our existence here in the Antipodes proves that. Cyprus has taken its own trajectory and I respect that. Mm. What I do not respect is the way the invasion took place and the atrocities of the British people on the island of Cyprus. And, right. of course, we need to add that you know the Gelia uh, base is a British base on Cyprus, so they still have their claws. I saw the, on the, the island, like two or three yeah, yeah, uh, territories, yeah. that areas you can't touch. Yeah, basically they and under all the seem to be on the southern side too. Yeah, yeah, 
I don't know of any in the north. No, no, there aren't any. Because no, te- technically we don't recognise, if we're British, we don't recognise the north's existence, even though we allowed that to happen. Yeah. And even though Cherie Blair, the uh, the wife of your friend Tony, absolutely, man, uh, represents the interests of people who want to buy in northern Cyprus and do all these things. Really? Or I should say occupied Cyprus. Because occupied, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So for me, Eoka is a great day. Um, I pay respect to the people that fought for the liberation of their country. I feel very sad that their uh, ideals and um, their pure motivation was impugned and uh, Cypriot people just deserved so much better. Uh, my mother was actually... Uh, uh, she's, she's, she's Cypriot. Born here, though, yeah. and had not left Australia at all until she got to her mid-50s to late-50s. And... Um, what uh, she then uh, did is she took a trip and she went to Cyprus for the yeah. very first time. And uh, mum never really uh, had any or harboured any animosity towards um, Turks or the Brits for that matter. Not a very uh, politically, um, not want to say motivated, but not very well informed with regards to that, except yeah. for the fact that she would tell me stories about her cousins wanting to sign up in, in, yeah. in 74 and go and fight the... Um, 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 the Turks when the invasion basically happened. Uh, but she refrained from getting involved in becoming emotionally, uh, uh, you know, in, in, too attached to the issue. Yeah. Then she went to Cyprus. And uh, her, well, you know, our area in Cyprus is um, the occupied okay. area. And uh, Which part in particular? It is Okarpaso. Okay, so you're from there. Yeah, with the Englovismani, there are still Greeks who live there. Yes, and yeah. my and her auntie, so my grandfather's sister, was living there up until maybe three years ago. Wow! Uh, because, and because she just became too too much, too, too ill. Yeah. Um, uh, but she ended up. Uh, but her cousin Andrea took her, typical name Andrea in Cyprus, took her to that part of Cyprus, uh, and a village, and she saw the smashed headstones and the and, and the graves, and it. Um, it awoke a, 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 a beast and an anger in her she never had before and she broke down and for her to break down like that for an issue like this is un, you know, unheard of especially for a person who's Greek isn't good has never seen the country before um, first time stepping in their late 50s and yet it, it moved her um, immensely well, Desecration of monuments is a form of cultural warfare and what it does is advances the cause that, no, this land belongs to us. There was no one ever here beforehand. Mm. Because if there are no monuments to attest to the fact that there were people here beforehand, then you make that claim. And you see that everywhere. I think it was 2014 I'd written an article for Neos Cosmos about some Turkish fashion designers that were doing a photo shoot in a desecrated graveyard among the broken tombstones. You're kidding me. With the models sitting on the, on the, on the crosses <sighs> and doing things like that. Now, the fact of the matter is there is a lot of rubble and a lot of history and a lot of monument in that part of the world. Where do you draw the line? But my point is that when you're talking about dead people who have only been dead for you know, 30, 40 years, that's an identifiable no-go area. Yeah. Um, and it's sad, but it is what it is. Yeah. Well... Uh I'm glad we uh, we discussed this. I wanted to mention that because I was at a um, wreath laying ceremony. You did go to the wreath laying ceremony. I did, 
and um, and I did miss out on the the, re- the 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 reenactment, and and that is probably the last thing that um, I wanted to bring up with you today. Okay, okay. Because you were there for that, right? The reenactment. Yes. I wasn't there, but my alter eagle, my my alter ego, Marcos Botsaris, the third, <laughs> was there. Yeah. So what I've got here okay. is I've got some video of the event. Okay. So let me just fire that up. Uh, uh, here we go. There we go. There's everybody there. Now, and we got so a couple of speeches here. Yeah, that's our Consul General, our Mr. Kakavilakis. That's right. Our latest superstar. Now, when when did you give your um, your speech? After all that. After all that. So it was yeah. it, was it after the. Um, the firing of the... No, it was just before because what happened was everyone got onto the proscenium and then I read a poem yep. which had to do with the Alusi of Tripolitza. Fearless leader. Fearless leader. Bill Babasteriadis there making a great speech about the importance both of the Church of the Evangelismos because this uh, reenactment took place on Lansdowne Street, which is in front of Evangelismos Church. Right. Now, for those of you watching at home, mm. uh, Evangelismos Church is the oldest Greek church in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. It was built, I think, in 1897, mm-hmm. uh, partly with gold from Tsar Nicholas. I didn't know that. Yes, and I think some of the coins that he sent are actually buried in a time capsule uh, beneath the foundation stone. You're serious? And it was built as a multicultural church for all Orthodox people living here at the time, which was mm. Greeks, Syrians, and Russians and Bulgarians, very few. Wow. Um and interestingly enough, the architectural firm that built that church mm-hmm. about 20 years later mm-hmm. built St. Eustathios in South Melbourne. So those two are sister churches. Really? And that church, which looks very 19th century to mm. us, was actually designed in such a way so it can look like an exotic Orthodox church. The original plan was supposed to have a dome. It was going to look yeah. a lot different, budget mm. constraints. Yeah, but course. we've got this building and we really need to cherish this place because it is the foundation stone of our organised identity here. Mm. Um, I think the Greek community of uh, Melbourne was founded around about the same time. It was, roughly. 1896, I think. Somewhere yeah. around mm. there. So we're looking at, I mean, we're here be- before that, but this is the foundation stone of our organised presence. Right. Very old church, very beautiful church. It had yeah. a lot of historic icons, which unfortunately were destroyed in the fire, which Re- took place. Recently, right? Yeah, about six years ago. Jeez. But the church has been restored, and uh, it was opened as a restored church for the first time on the weekend. Uh, and I love the fact that everyone congregated around there yeah. to celebrate not only the 25th of March, but also this church, which is the touchstone of our identity. And of course, Icospende Martiu is also Iortitu Evangelismu. So yes. it ties in. That is yeah. Evangelismos, the church, dedicated to the Annunciation of the Panagia. So mm. it's very fitting. And uh, yeah, so here we have um, our fearless ladies yes. on, on the horses, and uh, that's probably Bubulina. And we know that her name was Bubulina because she used to sneak up behind the Turks and go, Boo! Mando Mavrogenos didn't do that because she was too rich and too beautiful. She would just look at them and they would swoon. <laughs> and, and here we have the guys um, parading onto the stage. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea is that they're about to be addressed by the instigator of the Greek Revolution, mm. Prince Alexandros uh, Ypsilandis. That's Prince Nikos Papaevthimiou, yes. the head of the uh, Kinotita, 
dance uh, dance. dance group yeah, he's been who's done amazing long. work yeah, and he absolutely. was he was the basically the guiding yeah. force behind this mm. he did this mm. and uh, what we're seeing no, now great, is he does great work yeah what we're seeing now is we're waiting for the other the horsemen of the apocalypse to come through uh-huh. oh, there's there me is. with my son there he is yeah oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Alexios Alexios he wanted to wear a fustanella like his baba you know role models <laughs> yeah. it's whatever they see at home you know that's brilliant now these are the sharpshooters uh, one thing that needs to be said about this is mm-hmm. that these particularly um, ferocious-looking Greeks are actually not Greek. They're all Australians. All of them. Really? Every single one of them. The ones holding the guns. They have special licenses. They have special licenses, yeah. and they were chuffed to bits that they were going to wear the Fustanella and the other accoutrements, and that they were going to be fighting the, the Turks virtually uh, in this reenactment. Wow. So they're lining up to uh, receive the, the great leader, and everyone is agog with anticipation. The crowd is is uh, straining at the, you know, in their bootstraps and, and waiting. And there's this great sense of anticipation, this great sense of suspense. Uh, one of the old ladies said, "Ah, de natilionete, to suspense me scutoni do pera." And we said, "Ligo, se ligo, se ligo, thadis thagini." Ileftelia doesn't come in a day. It took four hundred years. Absolutely, it took four hundred years mm. for us to get freed. And you're complaining because the horse is pooing all the way down Lansdowne Street, yeah. hence the delay. Yeah. Seriously, people. Yeah, honestly. You know, get a grip on reality. Something like that. So, we'll just... We can't... We, we can't. So, no, there, there's my good friend uh, Evlalia holding a, a very sharp sword. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's speaking about the revolution and how it's about to happen. Wow. And I think it's significant that this reenactment begins with a woman proclaiming the revolution. Now, obviously, that didn't happen in real life. No. But our community... Mm. feels the need to put not only centre stage, mm. but in the first position, mm. women. And I think that's great. But, oh, now that man, yeah, sorry, I'm, no, I'm, no. I'm preempting you and I'm, I'm cutting you off. Yeah. This inspired leader is Alexandros Ypsilandis. Mm-hmm. And he's speaking to the troops and he's telling them that we need to be united, we need to fight, and that victory is certain. This is the one in all, all the black, right? That's him. He's wearing a uniform which is reminiscent of a... Russian style uniform because yeah. he was a Russian general mm. but also it's his own design because he created the sacred band right. based on the sacred band of Thebes mm. which were young men who were very entangled mm. and very into each other mm. who were so into each other that they fought as part of a sacred band in ancient Thebes Right. he recreated that and got a few students and well wishers and people from good families together to do that which mm. is why things went disastrously wrong when they crossed the Pruth River into Moldavia and started fighting the Turks, they had no military training. Now, right. I'm up there, and I'm reading a poem while all this is happening. Right. Or just after this anyway. So he's haranguing the crowd. He's firing them up. He's getting their blood boiling. He's getting them ready for fight mode. Yeah. Fantastic. He can tell that he's, it's fight mode because he's pointing to things. Yeah. So I think this was the, the most impressive uh, bit here. Yep. And this is the bit which I found interesting because, quite frankly, I'm not into guns. Yeah. Although I've got a collection of 19th century we Balkan pistols. Um, hopefully, we, this, this, we can actually hear the sound. Let's do that. Um, Bum. Yeah. Bum. I think there was a point where the sound actually cut out. On this yeah. Um, well, look. I think we it was very loud. Yeah. And they fired three rounds, mm. and then they advanced to the enemy firing in skirmish order. And the crowd went absolutely bananas. Some of the older members of the crowd had tears in their eyes. Why? Are they people that glorify war? No. 
They remembered their youth. They remembered that the firing of guns during these kind of things was part of the course. Mm. And they were so happy that this had happened again. And it really brought to them the smell of the gunpowder. Because remember, memory is also smell. It's not just uh, sight yes, and, and, in, uh, and in fact, and smell hearing. even more so. Yeah. It brought them back to their youth. Yeah. And, and there were a lot of people in tears. So there they are firing against the imaginary enemy. <laughs> and we're really magnanimous. In all of the speeches that took place around the traps, no one actually uh, mentioned who the enemy was. Really? Yeah. It's always the enemy, Donechthro, Aftus, Liberation. There we go. There they are. There, the there they are. Back. That's it. They're <laughs> on the way now. So this is a reenactment of the fall of Tripolitsa. Right, okay. Which is another vexed issue because lately the Turks have raised the fact that there was a massacre of the Muslim women and children in that town and about 15,000 of them were killed. So they're, they're raising that atrocity as a, uh, if you like, undivar or two uh, Greek claims about genocide. So now everyone's liberated Tripolitsa and they're having a bit of a victory lap uh, in dance around, around the city. I the city is quite small, as you can see. Yeah, yeah, very, very small. Yeah. Slightly bigger than a real Tripolita, right? Kind of. <laughs> so, one thing I absolutely adore when it comes to our performances is a narrative. I think that as a community, we need to do more of those. When we do a performance of some sort, a narrative on stage. Do you know what? Tell a story. Absolutely. Considering that you're in the middle of a street, acoustics aren't good. Mm. It's a street which is actually sloping downwards, yes. which means people at the back can't see well. Yes. They've done very well. No, they did. They've done extremely well. Um, there's the Manasis dance group yeah. uh, hopping onto the stage and uh, yeah. dancing in their jubilant manner. And, and they're wearing their Apokriatica costumes because Apokrius was only uh, about a month ago. Right, okay. Um, so bringing a bit of that festivity into the into yeah, the equation. No, that's, that's a great uh, job, Holding man. a revolutionary flag. That's, yeah. I think, the flag of money, yeah, Daniel Pitaas. Yeah, I was, taught, I was taught that by uh, my wife's family a fair bit. That was ingrained in me. I had no idea that the, that the area existed and within about within a few months. I've, I've been to money and I've spent time there. And let me tell you, the women there are formidable and... Multiple <laughs> fears. I love them. I love them. I can attest to that. Absolutely. I can attest um, to that. So there they are. It was a very nice afternoon. You see the crowd joining in. Um, small crowd because it was a last minute thing. We have the Cretans there. Um, the Cretans deserve to be there because the Cretans continuously fought for revolution. And even though they managed to liberate large parts of their island, they were always denied the opportunity to join Greece. They also became an independent uh, principality under one of the uh, king's uh, sons. And that's how Venizelos became Prime Minister of uh, Greece. He firstly held a revolution for enosis between Greece and uh, Tutti and then used that as the jumping off point for his Greek political career. Uh, These are people that never never said die. They were fighting continuously. What was doubly bad was that half of the population or thereabouts had converted to Islam. Yeah, yeah. I mean, time. by that time. So they were fighting amongst themselves. It was almost like a civil war for identity and control of the island. Because the Turco-Cretans, they spoke Cretan. When they eventually left and they settled in Zmidni and the places where the Greeks had left after 1922, mm-hmm. they retained their language. You go there, you'll find older people who still speak the, in the Cretan dialect. Because they are descendants of the Greeks who converted to Islam and then left. Right. And you've got uh, Pan 
That's Pan Mac, Zitoi Macedonia. Amazing work that guy yeah, does yeah, to yeah. Uh, instill a sense of Macedonian Hellenism. And when yeah. I'm saying that, it's not only the Macedonian issue, but the rich culture and history of the region. Absolutely. And he's uh, heavily involved in uh, teaching that to children, and he does a great job. Yeah, he does, he does. Well, he's a teacher himself. Yeah, he is. I'm not sure. I won't give out that information. This is a private show. <laughs> and there we go. I think that's pretty much about it. Yeah, we've got a few more performances after that. And um, and that was it. So that was... Uh, so unfortunately, I was at the... Uh, I wouldn't say unfortunately because you can't be no, you can't be everywhere. You no, you can't. I mean, I wouldn't. And it's very it. important to yeah, have people yeah, at Eorka. Yeah, yeah. So let me tell you this. I just it was unfortunate that both events were yeah, at, at the, the same, same time. time. Yeah. Uh, but I would, in if I had my time over, I would definitely go and, and get this is the money for um, for that event because uh, it's uh, it's extremely important. It's my my two girls who were, were in a Syrian school while this was going on because they're half a Syrian, they go to Greek school on mm-hmm. Saturdays yeah. and the Syrian school on Sundays, and that is calculated by us to make sure that they develop an identity crisis and a lot of resentment <laughs> against us in the future. Um, it's all been thought through, Pete. Mate, the they, master they plan. Were, yes, the master yes, plan. Yes, the master plan. They were crying that they didn't attend this. Poor they things. were crying. They watched the video and they yeah. said, we want to be part of this because this is great. And that's the whole idea. Mm. The involvement of children in events such as this, I think, is important. Agreed. Now here, it's hard because children are small. Yes. Children are, you know, they say don't work with kids and animals. Mm. But unless you bring the kids, unless you involve them, mm. their sense of community, their yeah. sense of identity doesn't get formed. Yeah. Yeah, and all this yeah. is about identity reinforcement mm. and creation. Mm. So, which is why Omicros, I was able to get Baba Fustanella, picked him up, told him, you know, Tharthis Mazimu, Otan Thesna Kanisisa Thamupis, he's only three. And there's a bit where I'm holding him, and yeah. one of the other guys is saying, there's something running down. And yeah, yeah, he urinated all over my good Fustanella. You're serious? He did this. <laughs> the boy did this because he was too embarrassed to tell me in front of the crowd. Poor thing. And let me tell you, it was the proudest moment of my life. Because it was all for a good cause. <laughs> but it's identity formation. These are the... The crucial times. The crucial, the crucial times, the crucial yeah. memories that filter through Great. and create an identity. Mm. Now, you and I often talk about how brilliant it is that we are Greek mm. and how boring, because we're both in our own way involved in what goes on in our community here mm. in Melbourne, mm. how boring it would be mm. if we were just mainstream people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, yeah. why would you not want to involve your kids in this wealth and in this identity which has been created and Mm. and when we ourselves are responsible Mm. for driving which way that's going to go i think that is true treasure yeah and we don't value it as much as we should sometimes no no you're right and i the fact that we have each other yeah the fact that together we can go off and do this yeah now if you're a mainstream guy Mm. and uh you can't go and do this people think you're crazy if you decide, you know what, I want to go and do a wreath-laying ceremony mm. and you're an Anglo-Aussie, mm. probably you can only do that at the RSL if your ancestors fought at Gallipoli or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to dress up in a weird costume and dance around the streets, probably you can do that mm-hmm. in St Kilda or wherever on special designated festival days. Yes. But generally, this kind of cultural presence in Melbourne that we have, mm. it's very hard to come by. And I think we should cherish that. 
We should, and find ways of making sure it actually continues. Now, it doesn't always have to be bread and circuses and theatre. There are other ways of propagating mm. that identity. But this is the brilliance about us. There are so many of us, and there are so many perspectives, and there are so many interests, and there are so many microcultures and communities, that there's something for everyone. Mm. I really love that. Yeah. It doesn't have to be just about the Cretans, or it doesn't have to be about Peloponnesos and Kolokotroni. There are so many aspects yeah. to everything that we do. And it doesn't have to be just regional either. But but that's the point. Even the yeah. conversation that we've had and the uh, and the discussion about yeah. the ribbon before mm. Mm. on the mm. Opera House yeah. is part of the discourse. Yeah. Discussing what makes our identity, what mm. is the best way to express it, are there acceptable ways, uh, what does this mean to us? Mm. That is all part of it and because we it, are talking. And isn't it great that... We actually have people that care, who care enough to have a discussion well, that's about the thing. that. That's the thing. I've got a lot of friends who are non-Greeks, believe it or not. I actually know people who are non-Greek. Can you believe this? Impossible. I know. Impossible. I, know. I, re- I refuse to believe and, it. And uh, close friends, and they, from afar, watch what we do as a community. Mm-hmm. And they say, where do you find the time and the energy and the interest? <laughs> yeah, that's, um, a, that's a good question. The, the, these are people, for example, who come from countries which are close to Greece. And they say, who can be staffed? We don't do stuff like that. No one cares. And I say, that's to your loss. Yeah. That is to your loss because yeah. we as a people, for 4,000 years at least, of recorded history or whatever it is, mm-hmm. have had something to say. Mm. And what we've had to say is of value. Mm. And everyone's got something to say, which is a value that adds to the broader mosaic. So why shouldn't we say it? Yeah. And why shouldn't we rejoice in it, be jubilant mm-hmm. in what we have to say and create new things to say? And I think that's a very small part but a very significant part of what that's all about. And I want to see more of this. Yeah. Maybe maybe with more dialogue. Now, the funny thing about this is, and I only picked it up when I watched the whole thing on uh, Channel 31, mm-hmm. uh, I was asked to say a poem mm-hmm. just before all of this started, the firing and whatever. Mm-hmm. And there's a part of it which says, Triapu Laikya Kathondan, that traditional thing. And I'm up on the stage and I'm holding my son mm. and my son's still attached to me so mm. he will not sit anywhere else. And while I'm speaking, he's trying to go down the stairs of the stage. So I'm pulling him <laughs> and instead of triapulakya kathundan, I said triapaidakya kathundan. <laughs> okay, you have to explain and that. And three ribs. Instead three of ribs. three, <laughs> three, uh, three birds were sent here, there and everywhere, three ribs. I don't know if I was hungry. Brilliant. I don't know if it was subliminal. Absolutely brilliant. But you know what? Roast ribs for everyone. right so that's that is it well that's um that's the program that i've actually uh had those are the those were the topics that i thought that uh would generate a pretty good discussion yeah pretty light on content we actually haven't really (laughs) delved into anything have we I'm actually quite disappointed. Well, you know, there's always other always other opportunities. You say that if you want to bring things heavily down, there might be opportunities for that in the future. I I don't think. I I don't think that the producer is going to go past this pilot program, Pete. I don't think it's going to be a series. (laughs) I don't think it's going to be syndicated. I know you got your hopes up, but he's a real bastard. Oh man, yeah. Well, we have to do something about that. We will do something about him. Let's just try to hide this episode from him and we'll create something else completely different that he's not aware of, and then. Tell, give him a different site to go to to watch it. And he'll be under the impression that it's a, it's a completely different show out there. What kind of show are you thinking? Uh, we'll probably leave that for uh, when we turn the cameras off. I've got a couple of ideas. We've got cameras here, we've got lights here. I've always had this idea, mm-hmm. okay, 
of what we should be doing is getting really Aussie sports events like the cricket yeah. and then superimposing a Greece, Greek voiceover and commenting. Του πετάει την μπάλα, αυτός τη χτυπάει με το ματσούκι και μπαμ, βγήκε από το στάδιο. Τούτος την έπιασε. Because think of it, remember Richie Benno? Okay, now it's his turn to bat and running up to the crease. Oh, yes, it's... Twelfth man? No, 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 Richie Benno was actually a real person. Oh, yeah, sorry. I thought you were talking about the comedian. Out for six and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And they're so measured. Mm. And they're so placid mm. because it's a gentleman's game. Yes. Your turn to bat, your turn to bowl. Χτύπα τώρα με το ματσούκι ρε βλάκα, τι κάθεσαι εκεί πέρα. Θα σου έρθει κατά κούτελα. Inject some Greek passion into the game. Right, maybe for a 2020 game. There is a Greek women's cricket team uh, here in Melbourne. In Melbourne? Yeah, there is. And there's, another, there's a Greek male uh, team as well. Okay. Because you know in Corfu, mm. which was held by the English for how many years? They've got a team. Uh, they, they play it there. Yeah. It's the only place in Greece where cricket is part of the tradition. Mm. And, they're and they've actually, got a team, yeah. They're actually an international team, right? But they're not in the, the, the A category or something. So I reckon so, yeah. that, and the other one that I'm thinking of is Lawn Bowls. Like which cricket, is a like stately and slow game, like but it's a game jack. of great strategy and stealth. And why don't we bring lawn bowls into the Greek discourse? Appropriate uh, everything. Yeah, I'll leave that with you, man. And you know, sport is the most important part of the, of the discourse uh, in Australia. Uh, yeah, well... And yeah, I, I know no, nothing about is. footy, except being, being forced to watch games with my dad because my dad's a footy fanatic. Like my mother. And when you're... Yeah, no, they do that. I've actually been to Greek dancers where the 60 and 70-year-olds are oblivious to the dancing and the revelry that's going on and mm. they're watching the game on their phones. Yeah, 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 I've seen yeah. that. Yeah, I know, I know someone, and I can't say So who. if anyone's watching, can you take I a photo know, of I this? Know, <laughs> I know someone, and I can't say who, who uh, missed out on their daughter's uh, wedding. No, you've got to change it a little bit now. You've got to change it so I, that we... Do. They don't throw I, something at you. Yeah, I just, I just, I just, okay. I just have. Yeah, you have, wasn't? Maybe. Yeah, and it was actually uh, his son's christening. <laughs> you know who you are. Uh, in order for pagan, in order for him to actually watch um, the match, and actually turned up later on. Look, it happens, and my point is, this is very important. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> I had, I, I remember because I'm an Essendon supporter for my sins because that's where I come from. Right, and I remember having a client who comes up to me when the drug scandal was on says oh I'm, I'm, I'm gutted I'm shattered you know the integrity of the game mm. is in tatters mm. I'm just thinking like drinking <laughs> I mean and only and also because you know in the old days grandmothers I mean my mm. father loved the footy and he would when you go to my grandmother's uh, house he'd watch the footy and my grandma goes mm. and, and that used to make me laugh because I'd hear that everywhere So it was all fixed. Yeah, all fixed. So the That's guy's telling me about the integrity of the the game, and I'm remembering what my grandmother used to say. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, "You know what? Maybe they should have a drugs league." <laughs> I says, "What do you mean?" I said, "Well, you know what? When you're on drugs, you perform higher, faster, stronger. It's a much important and more interesting game to watch. A lot more things happen. Mm. Feats of strength, dexterity, everything else. Mm. Maybe in order to preserve the integrity of this game, you have the drugs league." And you have the non-drugs oh, league. Okay. And people can choose which one they want to watch. Mm. And there are no deceptions. He looked at him as if I had said something really bad about his mother. <laughs> He says, how could you say that? And that's when I realized that I'm culturally inept. 
when it comes to sport. When it comes to sport. And yeah. I and I tried to read up on it, but mm. I found it so boring so that whenever anyone comes in, you know, and says, Oh, you know, just catch the game, yep. Oh yeah. Bit of a fitness cloud hanging over them. And that's it. That's as far as I go. Then I have to change the subject. It's it's like the IT crowd. Um, yeah, you haven't seen the IT. Crowd, I have seen you? the IT. Oh crowd. yeah. So you know that that episode where um, uh, Moss ends up picking up all this. Um, it's like the Geordie sayings or um, uh, Cockney sayings, and uh, in order to be able to fit in with real men, and they're all soccer. References. I vaguely remember something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and Funny and I've I've never been able to fit in with real men, hence the Fustanella. <laughs> and uh, I I can do a good Cockney accent, but only when I'm channeling Michael Caine. But that's not one of those moments. No, no. Watch Craig Ferguson. He does a great Michael Caine. Everyone tries to do Michael Caine. Yeah, that's just he, one of the things you do. But he does it well. But no one ever tries to emulate the speech of Greek people. And that's an interesting thing. I mean, Kariklin used to do impressions of Papandreou and uh, Karamanli. Yeah. But not much of that's happening anymore. I think because the Greek accent as it's spoken in modern Greece now has become so homogenised yeah. and so standardised that you don't mm. get those interesting changes in diction. No. And we need to bring back the dialects, I think. Make things interesting. Mm. That, that, that I've got a dialect story. Can I tell you my dialect story? Tell me your dialect story. So my dad comes from Samos. Mm-hmm. I was brought up by my Samian grandparents. Mm-hmm. So at home I speak Samian. Mm-hmm. Now Samian is very heavy and we cut the suffixes of the words like a lot of Greeks do. Mm-hmm. to spit. Mm-hmm. things like that. Mm. Now, first time I went to Greece, I was 15. And I went alone to visit my grandmother who lived in Athens. And I got on the plane to go to Samos to go to my dad's village. Right. Now, in Greece, young people don't speak in dialect anymore generally. Speaking in dialect is considered a sign of not having an education and mm-hmm. of being a yokel. Yes. And also people go to school, they're taught to speak the standardised Greek. Yes. Now, I didn't speak standardised Greek. I only spoke Samian. So... I get on the plane mm-hmm. and there's a lady there and she's speaking, she would have been in her 50s mm-hmm. and she's speaking really heavy Samian and everybody else is laughing at her. And I'm thinking, this lady is, is my, my kin because my grandmother in Athens was saying, you will not open your mouth in public when I'm around because you embarrass me with your <laughs> yokel Samian <laughs> diction. No, ya, 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 ya. It's ah, not ah. Okay. So being feeling oppressed and muted by my maternal grandmother oh. and not being able to traverse the streets of Athens for fear of being considered an idiot. <laughs> I'm finally on this plane and, I'm, and there's this woman who's speaking my language and I'm liberated. So I started speaking to Insamian mm. and she turned around and I copped the biggest vrisidi you can imagine. From who? From her. From because the, she from thought I was making fun of her. You're because kidding it, me. it was not plausible for a person of that tender age to be speaking that dialect. And that taught me a lot of things, none of which I can remember. <laughs> so you started speaking Samian to impress upon her that uh, you... No, no, I was just so relieved that I could finally speak in a normal way and not hold back. And yet, yeah. There you go. Great story. Yeah, well, it was in my village when I got there and everyone was speaking Samian. It was okay because no one was really interested in what I had to say anyway. Mm. So it was pretty good. Bring back the dialects, I say. Okay, well, that, that'll, be your, that'll be your next project. And next show we do, you can... Uh, well, you know, you Pondians, you're always forcing your dialect onto everyone else. And whenever you're around, like, you have oh, this stock, you, you have this stock, like, five words that you know, because no one knows any more than that. <laughs> and then you just chuck them at us, and <laughs> we... Don't be silly, many of us know more than all five right, words. All right, all right, ten, ten max. 
10 max. <sighs> and and you chuck them at us. Yeah. And we're like, okay, well, this is Pondian. And we're not listening now because we don't it's understand. You don't appreciate the gems that we toss at you. It doesn't mean that we... We, just want to, we don't want to hold the gems, Dean. That's the thing. You know, it's you're, you're holding these gems as if they're really weighty and that they're something else. I just <laughs> want to point that out, that your body language infers the weightiness of these gems. What you infer yeah. uh, what is different. Um, what I imply might be very different as well. <laughs> I, love, I love this uh, semantic illusion. It, it makes sense. So, yeah, you have these uh, mm. dialects and you're... You're sprouting them off and you're saying this and that. We're like, ooh, that's Pondy and that's really cool. And the Cypriots do it. Mm. I mean, everything sounds really cool in Cypriot. You know? It does. And all that thing. And it just rolls off the tongue. It's musical. I absolutely love it. It's musical. And Peloponnesian is just so bland and boring. I can say this because I'm not one. And I decry and I demand a revolution against... Peloponnesian cultural hegemony. Oh, of course, because that's the that's the. Can that's, we do this? That's the accent that's been appropriated by the rest of Greece, right? Yeah, apparently that's been foisted upon us. And mm. you notice one thing: mm. how our language here has changed as a result of mainstream Greek television. And it I has, remember growing I, up, especially amongst the oldies. Mm. You no, know, you had your taxesio, kito fancy, tupensio, imepensiuchos, and all these other phrases. Mm. A lot of that is dying now because. Greek satellite TV has been in most homes at oh, least wow. for 20 years now. Mm-hmm. That has changed the way that we speak. So okay. in the old days, you'd go to some old person's house and say, bye-bye, and now you get stokalo, uh, no, stokalo, you get something like taleme. So this old person saying taleme. <laughs> and you're thinking, no, 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 no. You are bye-bye, hello. Yeah, yeah, that's right. No, no. Have I good daily? I have not noticed that. So the unique... Mm dialect that was in the process of being created in Australia Mm. is being destroyed by two things. One is Greek TV because it's influencing the way we speak and relate to each other because we're picking up expressions from there Mm -hmm. and because it's a legitimizing force. Um, That's the way they speak over there. Therefore, that's the way we should speak. That's, that's, and, and that's something which is inherent within the Greek psyche. I remember in the eighties watching Greek videos Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly Tamtakos and Stathis Psaltis, mm-hmm. and making notes. That's how they pick up the phone. This is what they say. They don't say alao, they mm. say embros, yeah. or legete, or whatever. That's right. Uh, mm. This is how they act. This is what they say in this. And, and you take the notes mm. and you bring that back. Now, that on steroids when you're watching Greek TV. Mm. Question is is that authentic? Is that not? Well, look, that's part of the uh, dialectic of negotiating a culture and developing it. It takes a trajectory of its own. It does. Had there been no Greek TV, uh, we would have had a lot more Australian words, I think, in the way yeah. we speak Greek. Yeah. Um, a lot of the grammar would have infused the way we speak the Greek language. Mm-hmm. That's not happening as much as it used to happen. Mm. And, of course, you have the Greek language on that side enforcing homogeneity and bringing us back to the motherland. And on the other side, we have the rapid assimilation and loss of Greek language mm. in whatever form among the second, third, fourth generation. So there's mm. two opposing forces that create an interesting uh, linguistic paradigm. And we have to... And I've just used a lot of big words that make no sense. <laughs> uh, there, that's another. That's, that's also another topic. Uh, yeah, we've just discussion. exhausted that, so we're going to have to come up with something else. No, 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 I'm talking about language. It's yeah, language. The, the, maintain, the, the maintenance of that, of the maintaining of our of, of the Greek language here in uh, Australia for the foreseeable And again, future. which one? And again, which one? But we'll do that for some other time. Okay, we'll do that another time. Is I've actually got, got the uh, the studio camera on at the moment, so every time, any time that we need to mm. address the audience at the same time, okay, I'll put on, I'll just press this button and yeah. I'll turn on that camera. Okay, so I will look over there, do I? 
Yeah, you know, my, yeah. That's not a camera. That's a phone. You're going to take a selfie. Do not, do not tell the you people. You are going to take do a not selfie. Tell the people, and you're going to post it on. on the, uh, you're going to, and you're going to, and you are going to post it on social media, and say something like, "Thanks for the memories." <laughs> Or feeling great, or FOMO, or one of those things. I just found out what FOMO means—fear of missing out. Now you found yeah. out because I don't understand acronyms. Uh, you see, you got to—you got to be part of a dancing group where you got a bunch of twenty-year-olds in it that can actually keep you up to date. I, I don't like think that. I know any twenty-year-olds anymore. I'm—I'm <laughs> uh, I'm of that age. I know smaller children because my kids are that age. I don't know anyone in that band. That's okay. Uh, it's like the other day I was somewhere and uh, a yeah. so guy says to me, "Oh, what's the ETA on that?" I had no idea what he was talking about. You didn't, you didn't know what an ETA was. I said, "Sorry, I'm um, English is my second language. I don't understand acronyms." <laughs> okay, all right. So, are we looking that way, uh, or not? We've done that. We no, finished no, with no, that. We, now we are now, but uh, okay. but now we're done. Okay, we're done. We're done. Right, don't have okay. to look there anymore because no, that sort of strains we're my done. neck. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. So, um, all right. So, we haven't really discussed how how we would end a show at all. We didn't talk about ending the show. No, and I just pulled the plug out of the. No, nah, it's okay. That's, that's okay. That's, yeah, that's fine. Right. That's just the. Uh, that's your earphone. How would you end the show? Έχει για καίμενε κόσμε, έχει για γλυκά ζωή, και εσύ δίστηχη πατρίδα, και εσείς που μας ακούτε, έχετε για παντοτινή με ομικρονιότα, because you're plural, something like that. Would you say ασεμέν ασεμέν τον καλλιμιόν σερετίας in Pondian, λελεβοσας, what would you say? I would actually uh, just keep it very generic. Yeah, you would. I would, all right, because you know we're going to make sure we appeal to everybody. Well, we probably won't. I don't appeal to anybody, Peter. Yeah. It's always well, been that way. You know, we, we, we might appeal to two people. Let's aim for three at least. Okay. Okay. All right. Who so, are those three people? Do we know them? You know, well, it's probably, probably best we don't. All right. Yeah. All right. So okay. So we'll just we'll just end the show now, and we'll figure out an ending next time, I suppose. You know what I'm thinking for the ending? What? Aida. Bum, 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 and we just march off, looking purposeful. In actual fact, we're all going to go to the toilet because we've been talking for hours and we had coffee before. We have. In fact, let's do that. Let's put this camera on. Okay. Let's, put, let's, take, let's take our um, earphones So we're taking off. the earphones off. Yeah, and then okay. we're just going to basically turn around and say uh, goodbye. Okay. And we'll just walk off. Okay. Bye.